Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back. A solo episode here of Dynasty Theory. I'm John Bauer. Mitch and Dan unable to join today, so I'm coming at you a little bit earlier than usual. And the plan today was to go over week eight takeaways as we've been doing throughout the season and then provide some actionable thoughts and opportunities moving forward. But the NFL had other plans and it was a little bit more of an exciting trade deadline than we're used to. And as you can tell here, I'm still a little, little under the weather. So bear with me, see if I can get through this episode here. Don't have Mitch and Dan to fill the the awkward pauses with their their knowledge. But a, a lot of good stuff here I want to get through. And before I do, remember, this week's episode of Dynasty Theory is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Exclusive offer, 20% off, free worldwide shipping, code theory 20 at manscaped.com. The lawnmower, Dan would be mad if I didn't mention the weed whacker. Seriously, a great product. And, you know, it always helps support the Dynasty Theory team. So again, code theory 20, 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. Roy in the chat. What's going on, buddy? Over there in in England. What is it, 11 o'clock over there? So the early time works out for our international viewers. So week eight, it is in the books. I had some things I wanted to talk about, and we'll still probably get to them. But again, the NFL trade deadline has come and gone just a little bit over an hour ago. Kareem Hunt, Cam Akers, Brandon Cooks. Unfortunately, I cannot report and tell you that they've been traded. Only a four-hour difference, Roy? Holy cow, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Do you do the, Is the daylight savings and everything the same? Because I swear it was more than four. Wes, thank you for joining. See you in the chat. But anyway, Kareem Hunt, Cam Akers, Brandon Cooks, they are staying put. Brandon Cooks then comes out with some cryptic wide receiver tweet. Uh, It's always the wide receivers that have these cryptic tweets and really, really deep stuff, right? So nothing to, to talk about there other than still another weapon in the Houston Texans offense for Davis Mills to work with and Kareem Hunt. We were hoping I say we, especially me because I have several shares across my dynasty portfolio, several shares of Kareem Hunt. I was hoping for him to get out from under, uh, you know, the lead back there, Nick Chubb and, and be able to take on more of a uh, running back one a or one B role. And it kind of disappeared a little bit this year a little more than expected and then cam Akers, he is going to be reporting back to the team now that he has not been traded that was the report that was mentioned before the trade deadline even passed so those guys staying put but there are plenty of names to mention here zach moss to indianapolis with naheem hines coming to buffalo oh man so the indianapolis situation it's jonathan taylor of course but now you lose that top option in the receiving game out of that backfield Dion Jackson in my mind is the one that would fill in to take on a little bit more of a 
satellite back role in that offense if Jonathan Taylor is healthy and active. And hopefully, knock on wood, he does remain healthy here as the season progresses. Uh, Zach Moss, he's somebody for me that is just going to be in there. He's going to be that strict backup role. You know, you see the the lead back go down every once in a while in an offense. And instead of the, the satellite back getting more work or somebody like that, you get a back coming off the bench that then is propelled into that starting situation. That's Zach Moss for me. Naheem Hines in Buffalo. You know, uh, it's confusing for fantasy managers, right? Because they have Devin Singletary. Then they have James Cook. They just took in the second round. And initially, we didn't know that Zach Moss was coming back. So that clears it up a little bit. But Naheem Hines is somebody who's good on special teams. The He's under contract until 2024. So first thing, this is it's not ideal for James Cook. Overall, his price for me hasn't really changed since the trade was announced. Just because I was a little bit lower overall with how the season has been progressing, even though he did get a little bit more of a, a workload here last week and we saw the big 40 yard reception but still that late second extremely early third 2023 value which is crazy when you think about it because a lot of people were taking james cook back into the first in 2022 and he was somebody that was going to be a project anyway i thought and and uh it wasn't really going to take over that lead back role with devin singletary there in buffalo and Singletary's look just fine, but still in that offense, there's not really a running back you're looking at. You're like, oh my goodness, like this is somebody that's been producing at a high level. I went them, want them on my team for fantasy purposes. So Naheem Hines to Buffalo, not much of a change overall there. If anything, though, of course, it just makes it a little cloudier. I expect Devin Singletary to be out of Buffalo after his contract is up at the end of the 22 season. And hopefully that frees up some space there. And it's the Naheem Hines and James Cook show. But if Buffalo has shown us anything, it's expect the unexpected and, and look at these guys that they're bringing in and seemingly not a weakness, but they still look to bolster the room. So Zach Moss, Naheem Hines. I think there was a sixth round pick thrown in there, a contingent sixth round pick that was included with Zach Moss to go back to Indy. So we'll see how that one plays out. Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins. Of course, I'm leading off with the high-profile trades, right? Kind of working my way from the bottom up. Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins. I wanted to see him get moved, strictly because I do think there is talent there. He's only 26 years old. He is going to a familiar coach, a familiar situation, not really far removed from that 49er system. So right now, it's Raheem Mostert, and then it's going to be Jeff Wilson. And that's because in a minute here, I'll talk about Chase Edmonds being moved to Denver in the trade for Bradley Chubb. So we have Jeff Wilson, Miami, still a really good opportunity there. If Raheem Mostert, if anything were to happen, you have to assume that Jeff Wilson steps right into that, that lead back role. And this is a team that has been able to run the ball primarily because of how explosive that offense and that passing game has been. So it's, it's something to keep an eye on. If Jeff Wilson, if he was dumped to your waiver wire, yeah, doubtful, but if you have shorter benches in your dynasty league, if you have some managers that are just like, hey, they got Christian McCaffrey, they're going to have Elijah Mitchell coming back. 
No reason for me to keep Jeff Wilson. If for some reason he's on that waiver wire, I would still say go out and look to acquire him. If you're looking to trade, he's one of those players that I am more than happy to get thrown into a larger deal. Not necessarily going out looking actively to acquire Jeff Wilson, but this is probably one of the better spots for him based on the the familiarity with the system and always the the health concerns there with the lead back in Raheem Moster. Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville. Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville. We were talking about this in the Discord, and I, I want to say I, I know uh, a, a lot of listeners, a lot of folks from the Discord, uh, starting in November. So today we went to the Discord being a perk and a benefit of being in the Dynasty Theory Patreon. Still a fantastic community, but just an additional perk to provide to our patrons. So check it out if you're interested. A a lot of value add there, in my humble opinion. But we were talking about Calvin Ridley. He's going to be 28 in a little over a month. So when he returns to play, he's going on to his age 29 season. I... It's tough to get really excited because of that, because that age, the new system, but we still have seen a player that can contribute, that can be a high-end fantasy asset. Overall, though, Calvin Ridley to Jacksonville, I don't want to spend too much time on it because for me, it doesn't really change things. We, We have to hope that Calvin Ridley, the suspension is no longer than one year and he is able to return and get familiar with the Jacksonville system and all that good stuff. But overall, I mean, I might look to shop him just because now there's a team that has expressed interest. They, they've shown interest. They acquired him. They've moved potentially, I think it could go up to a second based on all the different things that need to be met. One of those being a long-term contract or an extension, at least for Calvin Ridley. So maybe this does open up the market within your, your league and you can get something out of Ridley. If you're looking to move Ridley, it would be something centered around a piece that could help you today because I don't know that a lot of teams are out there right now willing to trade draft capital for Calvin Ridley. All right. Chase Edmonds. We're going back-to-back Chase here. Chase Edmonds to the Broncos and the Bradley Chubb deal. This is one of the more intriguing ones, and as you can tell, we're working our way up here. It's one of the more intriguing ones, and it primarily because of the lack of opportunity and uh, uh, touches and and, uh, amount of work that Chase Edmonds was getting in Miami. They brought him in. He was the highest paid back in that backfield, and he didn't really pan out and meet expectations. I was one of those folks that I I have a lot of Chase Edmonds still, and I was somebody that I liked him in Arizona. I liked him going to a system uh, in Miami that we have seen utilize the running backs. And again, it just hasn't really panned out. The usage hasn't been there. Uh, He's been one of the least efficient backs. So I I think it's intriguing. If anything, this should present an opportunity to move on from Chase Edmonds because now it's, you know, Melvin Gordon, it's uh, Latavius Murray, uh, brain fart right there. And then it's going to be Chase Edmonds. And then Chase Edmonds still under contract through the 23 season. So that is potentially a nice little one-two punch with Javante Williams when he comes back. And we'll see if he comes back 100%. But I, 
you know, th- this this Denver team now, it's it's interesting. So we'll we'll see certainly how it plays out. But I do think that's something to to yeah, I keep saying to keep an eye on. Uh I, I do think the opportunity would present itself to move on from him and explore those chances there. All right, a little more interesting. Chase Claypool to the Bears. Looking at Chase Claypool's numbers with the Steelers, and let's see if I can remember this because we discussed it in the Discord, but so far in 2022, on routes that he's run, he has about a 16% target share per route run. And that's really nothing to write home about, but when you look at the offense, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, and then you incorporate Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, 16% fighting with those other options. It's pretty solid. Now he goes to the Chicago Bears, who I don't have to tell you are in need of playmakers. They're in need of weapons to surround Justin Fields with. They move a second round pick, their second round pick. So they acquired the Ravens second round pick in, in the deal uh, that they made earlier in the week. But now they, 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 invest their second round pick, which most likely is going to be a little bit earlier. And they have Chase Claypool through the 2023 season. Yeah, 2023. And I mentioned that 16% target share per route run. Darnell Mooney's at 19% in Chicago. So what I expect, I do think it we see a little bit of an uptick from that 16%, maybe up to 17, 18%. But if you look at his Average depth of target with Pittsburgh, it's about 10 and a half. There are so many guys in that Chicago offense that are above that number. I expect that to rise because Justin Fields, you know, especially with the with the way he's been able to create with his legs since their mini buy, and this has been talked about a ton, you know, it seems like they're they're drawing some things up and looking to expand that offense. And I do think Chase Claypool, a big body receiver, somebody who here in Pittsburgh, you know, is so hated by the Steelers community and fans uh, partly because of the attitude and you know, the, the celebrations when you're losing and you're trying to run up to the line of scrimmage and you're signaling first down, just get the ball to the, the, the line, uh, the uh, referee. Right. And for Chase Claypool this year, it has been a complete 180 from what we're seeing on the field and the reports that we're hearing. Maybe part of it was to drive up the, the trade market, but his play has been significantly better. It seems like he has matured. So taking that to the Chicago Bears offense, where the opportunity is going to be there for him, like I said, the A dot's going to go up. Uh, the overall volume of passing attempts is clearly going to be lower than what we saw in Pittsburgh. But now you're really fighting with Darnell Mooney for targets, Cole Komet to an extent, who is clearly underachieved this year for fantasy purposes. And then you have the running backs coming out, but then you have Equinemius St. Brown, uh, you know, and, and a few other guys filling in there. But Chase Claypool, I, I this is not going to be hurting his value. Right now for me, in my tiers, I have him still as that re- middle, 206, 207, 2023 second, okay? Now, am I going to move that pick for him straight up? No, because I would be looking to pivot and get the you know, little bump with him that makes sense. But if you're in a start three wide receiver league, I do think as the season goes on, Chase Claypool is somebody that's going to be a little bit more interesting. And just, you know, his rookie year, he had what, 10, 11 touchdowns. So he has shown that he has that ceiling. 
we just need an offense that is going to work the ball to his strengths. And hopefully he just keeps that good attitude because times are going to be trying there in Chicago this year. So hopefully he just keeps his head on straight and he, uh, you know, doesn't unravel before our eyes. The biggest, the, the craziest one here, because it was completely out of left field, TJ Hawkinson traded to the Minnesota Vikings for, I believe, a second, and there was another pick in there, and I apologize for not having it in front of me. But the, the main driver here, you have Minnesota, who's 6-1, and one, and they they are in a fantastic position across the division because of the poor play overall. But they're also playing pretty well, you know, and, and one of the main drivers, Irv Smith, is now out eight to 10 weeks with the, the ankle injury. He hits IR. You have TJ Hawkinson filling in. So a few numbers here, because I know a lot of people, they are down on TJ Hawkinson. Mitch and I had him as somebody that we were looking to sell previously, and we were able to do that in a few two PPR leagues that involved a 23 first coming back. But eighth I get a text from my mom. They're working on getting a corner too. I think that deal's been done. So I don't know if she's behind. This is what I deal with. This is what I deal with here. There's that awkward pause. Got to get some purified water in my system. Oh, man. All right. So TJ Hawkinson, eighth in the NFL in terms of tight end targets per game. So he is not going to be the, the Mark Andrews, the Travis Kelsey, Okay. But we, we kind of know what he is. And he has that one explosion game, just that monster game this year, over 150 yards, what, two touchdowns. And it really propels his average numbers for fantasy purposes. One thing that, like, if, if you didn't think about it, and you just heard Detroit Lions pass attempts, Minnesota Vikings pass attempts, I think first thought would be the Vikings throw significantly less than the Lions. Just really quick thought. But now with Kevin O'Connell opening up that offense a little bit, they're they're throwing the ball around 240 targets allocated through seven games for both teams, the Lions and the Vikings. TJ Hawkinson around 18% target share for the Lions this year so far. Irv Smith and Mr. Munt combined at 18%. So if those two are getting 18%, they're matching TJ Hawkinson. I have to believe that he at least maintains his overall volume that we were seeing in Detroit. But now you're getting a little bit more red zone upside. Kirk Cousins is second in the NFL with 29 pass attempts inside the 10-yard line. Second in the NFL. So you're, you're going to be seeing, uh, of course, it always takes time for these guys to get acclimated to their team. But TJ Hawkinson is going to be thrown into it right off the bat. He's going to be getting an opportunity. And this is with Justin Jefferson obviously demanding a high portion of the targets. But then you have Adam Thielen, who's been playing pretty well, but he's what, 32 years old? Is that right? Let's see. Let's see. 32 years old. And you can probably hear my wife and kid going at it. Uh, Johnny's been tough. He's, he just got threatened with a bedtime. It's 519. I just heard it. Holy cow. So, so like I said, the opportunity is there for TJ Hawkinson. Overall, like all of these trades, Zach Moss, Naheem Hines, Jeff Wilson, Calvin Ridley, Chase Claypool, TJ Hawkinson, their value for me is not changing. But what we see time and time again, okay, we see within our fantasy leagues because people get so bored 
and we're just so tired of the same thing. We want change. We want anything to, to just mix it up. We want drama created. For some of these guys, we might see a little bit of an uptick in their trade market just because, hey, you know, I can create a story for Naheem Hines in Buffalo, okay? I can create a story for Chase Edmonds in, in Denver, for Chase Claypool in Chicago. I, you know, I can tell myself that story. So maybe their price lines up with what you were looking to acquire before, but now you're willing, you're you're getting a willing trade partner. So I do think the biggest mistake you can make is just sitting there, hands under your butt, not not making a move here, or at least exploring the opportunity. And that holds true for TJ Hawkinson. I am I have not moved him up or down my tiers. Irv Smith drops, obviously, because of the injury, pretty much out the rest of the season. But now you have TJ Hawkinson and they move significant draft capital. You have to believe that as a result, they look to lock him up. Uh, he is under contract through 2023, but you have to think that they look to get something a little longer term done. And, you know, seven, eight targets per game for TJ Hawkinson. I do think that that stays relatively flat. But again, a little bit more t- touchdown upside. And, uh, you know, I, I think it opens things up for Detroit a little bit. They're... Uh, it looks like they're starting to write off the season and based on their record, I get that. So looking at it from a uh, Chicago, from a Detroit perspective, I'm um, Ross St. Brown, Deandre Swift, whenever he is fully healthy, they're saying they don't think he's fully healthy. Gave him one too many carries there in week eight, but there are going to be opportunities for the other players around uh, Detroit. Uh, maybe even a Josh Reynolds where, TJ Hawkinson helps open things up a little bit. So a lot of interesting things there with the trade deadline. Again, not too much from a value shift perspective. The ones that intrigue me personally the most, Jeff Wilson, Chase Edmonds, and Chase Claypool. Uh, But the other ones, I I think status quo for the most part. It is going to be interesting, though, to see, like I said, you have Irv Smith and is it Johnny Munt. I think Johnny at 18% combined target share for uh, Minnesota. And now you have TJ Hawkinson stepping in. And I know he's, he's somebody that people have been a little bit disappointed with overall, but he, he could have a nice little stretch here down the end of the season. But if that opportunity opens up to trade him off your roster, I'm exploring it. Uh, we did have a few questions in the discord. I want to get to two of them before I sign off. So there are a few running backs here that for lack of a better phrase, we'll call flash in the pans, even though you'll see some of them have had stretches in the past, but Latavius Murray, Kenyon Drake, Deontay Foreman. These are guys that for Murray and Drake could provide flex appeal. Deontay Foreman coming off a 30 point game there in week eight. What is the best approach? What are we doing with them? I'm not actively going out and acquiring any of them. I saw Deontay Foreman go for a 23 second earlier today in a 10 team league, 10 team league. So you're getting a top 20 pick for Deontay Foreman, who most likely is not going to be somebody that you're going to feel comfortable putting in your lineup when maybe Chuba Hubbard comes back and certainly in 2023 and beyond. So long story short, based on that question and, and the players that have been popping a little bit, 
look to ship them off. And this is something that Mitch and I talked about. I think it was on the pivot point over the weekend. But Kenyon Drake, Latavius Murray, they again, they're providing you that 10, 12, maybe 15 points on a given week. And now Murray a little more questionable because of the Chase Edmonds uh, pickup via trade. But I would not be looking to acquire Deontay Foreman for for especially a second. If if you've explored other options and push comes to shove, I am okay with, with throwing a third out. If that is the piece that is going to get you through a week or two and, and you're battling for a playoff spot, sure, okay, because it's not going to kill you in the long run. But I still I, I would not look to move a second for any of these guys. And then it comes into play, well, JB, what if you don't get – what if you have a Deontay Foreman? You're not contending, and nobody in your league is offering you anything. That can be super frustrating. That can be so frustrating. I understand that because I'm in some situations where it happened with me with Rashad Penny. I am not contending, and I was getting rubbish offers left and right. Kept him on my roster. He goes out for the season, and now I'm stuck with him. See what happens next year. See uh, if there's anything that pops up. But you you have to make a decision, right? Do I do I look to to maybe package up to get into that second range? or a higher end player, or do I sell at a discount? The only time that I would actively be looking to sell at a discount is if it's a player like, like Deontay Foreman, that's that pop off 30 game there is going to hurt your potential points. So if you're not contending and you're playing that game where you're looking at potential points because your rookie draft order is decided by that. And I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. But you want to start looking at the bottom of your roster, and Deontay Foreman is a perfect example where maybe you do unload at a little bit lower price, or just I be honest in your in your uh, league chat. I, I've seen people say that, hey, I'm just going to drop the guy if I don't get an offer, and sometimes that just draws up activity. I'm not one to do that because then if you don't follow through, well, your your word means very little moving forward. But if if you hey. Uh, l- Deontay Foreman, I have an offer of a third on the table. You know, that might rub some managers the wrong way because you're 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 uh, leveraging their offer on the market. But uh sometimes you gotta try different things here if the the opportunity is not there to move these guys. I have some leagues, I, I don't think I could get a third for Deontay Foreman. So at that point, what do you do? You just you just sit. You you just sit on them. Uh you know, maybe look for a fourth and a piece that's not necessarily helping them, you know, but it, it's so everything it's, it's such a gray area. And that leads into the, the last question here, but a, is this the time to acquire aging running backs? We have these guys. If you look, and we talked about this too, but this is another question that just popped up uh, yesterday. If you look at the guys that are producing, we have a prime opportunity to move on from some veteran running backs. And I do think this is a great time to acquire them, but it's going to be even uh, uh, more advantageous for you if you can make it through the next few weeks. And most fantasy leagues have trade deadlines. As fantasy managers, as dynasty managers, we are told over and over again, you don't want aging running backs on your team, ideally ever. You don't want aging running backs on your team if you're not competing. And then one step further, you don't want aging running backs on your team heading into the offseason. 
So you might be able to start to find some sweet deals for those Nick Chubbs, for Austin Eckler, for, you know, uh, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara. Uh, so I, like I always say, like we always say on the show, be active in your in your chat, pay attention, keep your ears open, see if these people are starting to blow up their teams a little bit. But as the trade deadline approaches, it does one of two things. It creates a little bit of desperation because, hey, I, I got to make that move now before the trade deadline passes. But also from, from the side of the rebuilding team, I don't want to get stuck with this guy going to the offseason because his value plummets. And we all know that. The values of these dynasty assets, especially running backs, are so cyclical. Once we hit January, Alvin Kamara's value is in the rubbish. And the rubbish is the word of the day here. I realize I just said that two times in about five minutes. But it's in the rubbish. Uh, I've been hanging out with our, our English friends here too much, I guess. English people say rubbish, right? I think they do. Or Derrick Henry, you know, going into his age 29 season at the running back position, we're told you don't want that on your team. So is it the time to acquire aging running backs? I'm certainly looking at it. And if you can't get something done over the next few weeks to help you make that push for the playoffs, for the championship, I would then look to acquire in January in February, if that same team that is at the bottom of the standings, they're not really looking to contend, obviously, because their team was dead last, second to last, whatever the case may be. And you might think, hey, I don't want to acquire these these older running backs, especially during the offseason. You're not going to get a better price point than at the start of the offseason when points don't matter. Think about where these guys were going. And I mean, we were seeing Derrick Henry go for, for pennies on the dollar at times during last off season. And it happens every single year. So is the time to acquire aging running backs? Yeah. But then I would still explore over the next few weeks. And then even in January at even more of a discount and see what you can get done. If anybody in the chat has any other questions, any comments, concerns, players, they want to discuss really quickly. Let me know. Or forever hold your peace. Uh, this is the most trades ever on the trade deadline day. What was it, 10, 11? It's pretty impressive. Uh, some non-fantasy relevant ones, which I didn't mention. And then even some that involve fantasy players. You would say Zach Moss to Indy. Not exactly fantasy relevant. Uh, uh, Deion Jackson, actually. You know, I mentioned him as being the guy that might fill that Naheem Hines role a little bit. We saw his workload with Jonathan Taylor out. So much like Jeff Wilson in Miami now with Raheem Mostert, I would look at Deion Jackson very similarly. Two guys that as the season goes on in a pinch, if necessary, if their lead back goes down, they are going to give you an opportunity for potentially maybe not a league winning week, but something that's going to fill your... Uh, your flex spot or your running back two situation thoughts on Denver running back timeshare now. Oh, if I had to assign a number 40, 30, 30, maybe, you know, uh, or let, let's cut off a little bit. Cause then you have like, if we're looking at just the running back touches, maybe like 40% Melvin 30. I mean, well, Latavius has been playing more than, then uh, Melvin, right? Let me, let me see here. 
uh, I think Latavius Al touched him again. And then we, we'll see Chase Edmonds in that that pass-catching role that, that we thought he was going to be a little bit more involved in Miami and certainly we saw in Arizona. But let's see here. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it was 14-9 to nine for carries. <coughs> Excuse me. And then three receptions to one for Gordon. So almost 50-50 there overall. I would say it's going to be ugly. It really is. I don't think we get any separation from any of them. The only redeeming factor might be if there is a situation that they fall behind early, maybe in a week or two, they look to get Chase Edmonds involved. Because again, it's an offense that needs playmakers. You bring in a top tier quarterback in Russell Wilson, and these are the results you're getting. Uh, But yeah, I would say 40-30-30 overall, or maybe uh, like... 40, 35, 25, with Chase Edmonds bringing up the 25 there, Latavius at 40, and, and Melvin at 35. But it's going to be really tough if these guys don't find the end zone to feel comfortable putting them in your lineup. Uh, what's your selling price for guys like Hines, Edwards, Pollard? Hines, I will take, you know what? That's a great question. Let me pull up my tears here. Um, Hines, I will take, where is he? Uh, I would take an early third for Hines. Ideally, and I always say this, ideally, I would love to pair a mid to late third for any second. Uh, Dan's messaging me about the, the discord. Oh my goodness. Pay attention, Dan. Come on. We'll talk offline. Uh, but yeah, I, I would look to pair him up with a third Get a second. Gus Edwards, same situation, just because then J.K. Dobbins comes back eventually. We already have the hamstring injury. We've seen Kenyon Drake far more utilized in the passing game than Gus Edwards has ever been, really. And again, Kenyon Drake providing some flex appeal there over the last couple opportunities that he's had. So I put Gus and Naheem Hines in the same situation, the same boat. Tony Pollard, that's a different one for me. And that's going to be far higher uh, early 23 second, I would take, because again, we're still talking about a running back. That's going to be 26 years old. The uncertainty and question marks, where does he land? His contract is up in 2022 after the 22 season. And uh, Jerry Jones has already come out and said, you know, we're fully committed to Zeke. This team just goes as far as Zeke takes us. I don't know what world Jerry Jones is living in. And I say this as somebody that loves Zeke, the football player. You know, I, I I enjoy Zeke. He, he hasn't really been the most efficient back as of late. And Tony Pollard, he provided that spark. He had a massive game here in week eight. Uh, but anyway, early 23 second value, or I pair him with, uh, you know, go back to, maybe I can do Gus Edwards and Tony Pollard for something that would be like a late 23 first. A team that's contending, that's looking to get those points there. And there's an opportunity. So uh, hopefully that provided a little bit of context. And within the, the tiers on the Dynasty Theory Patreon, I have everything crossed positionally and lined up with the picks. So hopefully that would be of help. Uh, no final thought this week. Just make sure you're staying active in your leagues. Uh, a lot of people, they're, they're running on autopilot, right? They're on cruise control, especially if they're not contending. 
they're setting their lineups. Sometimes they're not even setting their lineups. Appreciate you, Chris, for throwing that question in there. Sometimes they're not even throwing their, their lineups out there. You have people that uh, have Thursday inactives and they end up in the lineup still. Um, I actually think that might have happened to me, but on that team that I'm thinking about, it's a, a rebuild. And I'll throw the word out there one more time for this episode. It's rubbish. All right. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Click the link in the episode description, the Dynasty Theory Patreon. But for Mitch Sorensen, who's not on today's episode, obviously, if you just listen to it, Dan LaMagna, I'm John Bauer. I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Catch you guys next week. Peace.